CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Thursday, July 13th starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes Southside native and Fifth Ward Alderman, Desmond Yancey. The Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. If you're looking for something Chicago-related, you need to head to ChicagoReader.com. And if you're looking for more Ben Jarofsky, that's simple. Just stay there at ChicagoReader.com and then hit forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A. B is in victory, SKY. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Ticking Clock Thursday, and here's why. This clock's ticking down, according to the newspapers. Tick, tick, tick. Man, Chicago's a piece of work, the way we view the world. <laughs> this is so Chicago, what I'm about to say. So, they're going, Mayor Brandon Johnson's going to have to appoint a... Uh, a new uh, police chief. I call them police chiefs because I'm not from Chicago. I think in Chicago we call them superintendents. My bad. Uh, and um, I don't know why I call them police chiefs. I don't. I always think of police chief. I got a mental block about calling them superintendents. Uh, and the way the system we have in the city of Chicago, it's it's like uh, it is like American Idol. You know what I'm saying? It's like a countdown. So there's down to six semifinalists. And that's what it says in the Sun-Times, the six semifinalists. Like it's the NCAA where it's a competition here. All right. What are they gonna, what's the next round? They're going to wrestle? Is that what the next round's going to be? Uh, and they have the, the portraits of these six contestants. And then uh, they'll be narrowed down to three. The Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability will hold an executive session at 3.30 Thursday to discuss background checks on the six semifinalists. Uh, and then they choose three finalists from them. Finals from them. Uh, and then once he gets the name, the clock starts ticking. I'm just reading the Sun-Times, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the clock starts ticking. <laughs> before he picks one. And it's a weird thing, Chicago. I'm just going to share this with you. We have this just like uh, we. I say we like I am a Chicago and I'm, I'm an observer. I've been here since 81. So I guess I'm kind of a we. But you, Chicago, how about that? You have that's like, I almost want to say childish notion of your leaders as these exalted beings. Like they're supreme lords who run the universe. And they like, like you used to think that they cared about you. This is really strong during the daily years. Uh, Richard M. Daly, my distinguished guest, was a kid during those years. Uh, now he's grown up in an alderman, alderman Desmond Yancey. He's listening to me right now. But it was like Mayor Richard M. Daly was in charge and he knew what was good for us because he was our mayor. And then the people he appointed, they knew what was good for uh, us too in their little realms because he appointed them. And of course, since he's the exalted leader, the people he appointed would be many exalted leaders. And when he would have his hear, his budget hearings, it would be like something out of the Last Supper. I'm not making this up, people. This is the city of Chicago that you live in. And he'd be sitting at this long table, Mayor Daly, the center of the table. And next to him would be his police chief, because that, of course, public safety is number one. And I, I think the fire guy was on there. No, the budget guy was on the other side, the man in charge of the money, <laughs> who's all wise. Uh, and then streets and sand and so on and so forth. Then you get down to like at the end of the table, almost off the table would be like the, the human service people. You know, <laughs> they don't count. The law and orders guys count and the money guys count. And that's how kind of Chicago sees it. And so now it's like, yeah, who do we bring in to run our police department? And so like they interview all these experts in this article and stuff. And they're like, he must be wise. He, he must uh, he must be humble. It was like he must be wise and humble. He must be good at computers because data analysis is really important these days. 
Uh, and he must not be political. That, I laughed at that. Not be political. What does that even mean? We live in a democracy. Everything is political. It's like somehow or other politics is a bad thing. I'm like, we can't go through life without everything you do. When you do, when you make it, when you talk to your wife and you make an agreement about what you're going to do for today, you know, you compromise, that's political. We're like, what's, when did politics get to have such a ugly, bad reputation? Anyway, that's where we're at right now. The issues of crime have been with the city of Chicago for as long as I can remember. It's complicated. It's baked into all kinds of socioeconomic, racial prejudice, just like the whole history of the city of Chicago. And like we expect one person to emerge to solve it. And the clock's ticking on picking that person. Bill B. Norbert is branded judge. All right, without further ado, Desmond Yancey's been patiently waiting through my oration. I don't know if he agreed with anything I said. He is the newly elected alderman of the Fifth Ward. It's been three years, but Desmond Yancey is back. Welcome back, Cotter. Good to have you back. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. But we have a whole list of things we want to get to. Uh, and typically on the show, we don't always get to the end of the list. Uh, but uh, just any thoughts whatsoever about uh, picking a new police chief uh, and uh, what you would like to see in it? Go ahead. I mean, first I'll say I am really encouraged about the process. You know, people that were involved with the Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability, uh, I think they did their due diligence. And from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in the, the Sun-Times article is that there was a lot of really hard work that was done, but we should be able to trust the process and believe that the superintendent that comes out of that is one that is going to meet the needs of the people of the this, this city. Um, now, back on the needs, I think most of that stuff is correct. The political piece, I think that is more in response to uh, some of the candidates uh, of the, the early applicants, the 57 or so, who used the, uh, the community meetings as an opportunity to, to campaign for this spot. And I, I don't think there's a space for that. I understand it. But uh, in this, this democracy that we have, however... You know, if we want to believe that we want to do something different than we have in this city and entrust in the commission to bring us a superintendent that comes from the people's voice, we can't sway it by, you know, those sorts of uh, public displays of affection. All right. I'll leave that the specifics of that. I know exactly what you were alluding to. And it's ancient history in many ways. And I don't even think the, uh, what any of the six finalists uh, were the people that uh were being pushed at those meetings that you were talking about. I will say this before I lead the political thing along. I've never seen uh, a police chief that wasn't political. Ultimately, uh, you, 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 your boss is the mayor. Uh, and traditionally in Chicago, let's see if you agree with me on this, in politics and in schools, whoever was in charge of the schools or whoever was in charge of the police had an eye for making sure that the mayor was happy. And that meant whatever the mayor did was the right thing. Even yeah. if the mayor did the wrong thing. Uh, remember when the mayor Rahm uh, buried evidence of a murder in the mm -hmm. McDonald? That's why I'm here. Explain that. Explain. You remember the story. Yeah, so um, I co-founded the grassroots Alliance for police accountability or GAPA to create the community commission for public safety on accountability because of the, uh, uh, police accountability task force that was created by Rom, which said that we should have a civilian oversight body for the Chicago Police Department. Yes, I think that's the last time you were on the show. You were talking about that very thing. Yeah, uh, now COVID. That's right, right, right before COVID, actually. Uh, and uh, so now you're the alderman. Uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, Desmond. Getting elected alderman of the Fifth Ward. We briefly talk. This is the Fifth Ward, the legendary ward in the city of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Leon Dupre was. The man, the myth, the legend. This is before Desmond was born in the, in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, legendary alderman. Uh, in my opinion, he's on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago political figures. You only get four. He's one of the four, uh, including the great Karen Lewis, Kenwood High School. Um, and uh, so, you know, talk a little bit about the, the decision to run for alderman, uh, what the campaign was like, and what you hope to do. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I saw an opportunity to... Um... Uh, make a real difference in the city 
uh, and running for alderman was really an evolution in my work. I spent about 16, 17 years as a labor and community organizer. You know, I worked with SEIU, uh, um, was one of the first staffers at United Working Families. So I'm kind of a little bit cut from that cloth. It was where I learned my, a lot of my organizing. But um, it was really with GAPA where I started to understand you know, not just how to respond to community needs, but to be able to turn that into real policy. And it was that fight with Mayor Lightfoot, who, uh, when she was a candidate, was with us. And then when she was mayor, she was with us. And then she wasn't. And then she was. And then, you know, seeing that that whole thing happen, it was being able to get 36 votes in council and to be able to help, you know, co-lead a coalition along with Frank Chapman, bringing these two coalitions together to, um, you know, to win, again, 36 votes in council and beat a mayor who really didn't want to bring this oversight body to bear. And kind of working through that process and talking with some other, uh, some current now, some for all former aldermen, and then my friends and colleagues who are community organizers, um, the first five calls I made about running, they all said, you have to do this. So, so I'm here and really looking to bring that same sort of spirit to you know my work as alderman to make sure that as we're going through this massive development phase with the Obama Presidential Center coming just a few blocks from my home, but my office is on 71st and Jeffrey, which has been you know one of those communities that has suffered a bunch of disinvestment over the last couple of decades. To, to be able to help shepherd that through in a process that is very similar to how we were able to win police accountability. And that is having conversations with the people who are closest to the issue, coming up with a plan um, that includes those voices and then working with an administration to bring it to bear. All right. Uh, let's let's talk uh, Obama Center first and community benefits agreement. A shout out to Dixon Romeo, uh, good friend of the show. Uh, has been on many times. And when we have this conversation, uh, Desmond, uh, we always kind of come to the point, like the air, the neighborhoods South of Hyde park are like on a precipice and it could be some North side style gentrification coming there real soon, which means rising land costs, rising property taxes, uh, and forcing people out because they can't pay the property taxes or suddenly their home is so valuable. They want to sell it to make the money or it, a multitude of reasons, things we've seen happen in Wicker Park, Logan Square, uh, throughout the North side. Uh, it, are you in agreement that that's where we are right now here? Like we're poised potentially to have gentrification in this neck of the woods. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, the, the things I heard from folks on the campaign trail, you know, Dixon's a, a colleague in the organizing space and he, we've talked about this. I'm in full support of the uh, um, community benefits agreement to protect South shore. Like people are worried and it's, it's not even just that we've got seniors who live in condo buildings who um, can't afford the special assessment and are worried that someone is going to offer them the, the kind of money that forces them to take it and then they move, right? Like that's a, another type of forced gentrification where, you know, the win, it looks like a win-win on paper, but the reality is we lose so much of the fabric of the, the community. I mean, South Shore is a historic neighborhood, particularly for black folks. We've got three beaches, a yacht club, and two golf courses right in this footprint. And it's been historically black for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's an intention to keep it not so much all black, but definitely to make sure that we protect the folks who have been here while the community has suffered this downturn. And so what can be done uh, in the face of relentless free market, and I got it in quotes, uh, capitalism, uh, that, uh, you know, housing prices go up, 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 and uh, there's changes as a result that you just described. What can you as an alderman or the city of Chicago do uh, to shelter folks from that storm? Well, we're going to pass. Uh, we're going to present shortly, but we're going to pass the uh, what's commonly known as the Obama Community Benefits Agreement, but was more likely going to be referred to as the South Shore Housing Preservation Ordinance, which will provide relief for homeowners on the, you know, to the tune of property tax relief and other forms of um, just uh, support to help them stay in their homes. We also want to provide uh rental assistance to people, uh, make sure that there's a level of affordable housing that has always been maintained in South Shore. When I first you know, moved out of my parents' house, I moved to South Shore because I could afford it. And it was a pretty nice neighborhood. And when I went through a divorce almost 30 years later, I came back here for the same reason. 
Uh, we also want to protect those condo owners that I talked about. We've got a really high number of condo owners in South Shore. And, you know, the majority of them are in these aging buildings that have suffered really significantly when the housing market changed. Um, like I had heard a story about um, condos in South Shore, where if you're looking to buy into a condo building and the building could be, I mean, and the uh, condo association might be insolvent because of all the stuff that has happened over the last, you know, 10, 12 years. In, in order to purchase that condo, you have to pay cash for it because a bank isn't going to loan money. So who's got $125,000, $130,000? Yeah. And when you think about Chicago real estate, to buy anything that you can live in for one hundred twenty-five dollars or $130,000 is a steal. And so we want to make sure we're able to support those um, condo associations so that South Shore can you know, not just be um, a destination for new people to come to the community, but again, to, to support and undergird the people who have been living here for a while. While knocking doors, I've met um, families who have been here since the 60s who are still in this neighborhood. And if you remember South Shore, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, early 90s even, and then you look at it today, the folks who have stuck it out deserve some relief and deserve mm. stay. So when you talk about a rental rental assistance, what does that mean? Well, one, we want to make sure that um, we can put you know direct money into the, the pockets of landlords to help subsidize the properties and to be able to bring renters into it. Uh, there's another issue that exists here in South Shore. Part of the reason why the rents are so low or low comparatively speaking to the rest of the city is because we've got aging housing stock. Uh, so to be able to have landlords provide updates to these properties that don't pass directly onto the renter in a significant way is another way to help support bringing families here. Uh, there's also support for a rental registry so that we can know who's renting, when these units are available, what market looks like, as opposed to being able to let um, the, the property owners themselves be able to dictate what that is. This would be a much more open and transparent process. Uh, and then I'd, I'd also like to see that stretch more broadly across the city because we run into these issues and these conversations about affordable housing and um, the lack of it all across the city. So some of this, I think, could serve as a pilot uh, or a guide for the rest of the city as we think about affordable housing here. And what is, in your opinion, sort of the general attitude of your colleagues in the city council uh, toward this kind of approach? I think if we were looking at a council from about 75 days ago, it would be a lot less of an, an appetite for it. But many of the new my new colleagues, those who came in with me, um, view affordable housing as a right. And so I see a lot of support there around this ordinance. And of course, folks like Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, who um, they passed a similar ordinance in Woodlawn. That's actually what this ordinance is based on. So we also see some um, uh, some tracks in the snow on how to do this the right way. Uh, and uh, the change, the because for so long there was resistance in the city council and the city to any impediment to the free market. And I've had so many aldermen lecture me down through the years. Uh, <laughs> just had a memory of Bert Terrace lecturing me about the free market. Uh, and then uh, the free market is sacrosanct to our democracy. You don't understand. You liberals. Uh, that was my all of a sudden went into my Bernie Stone imitation. Uh, does that still a prevalent theme? Do you hear that from other aldermen? You know, they come up to you and they go, uh, look, man, you can't mess with the free market. You can't mess with the real estate and industry in this town. You cannot. This is uh, just off limits. So back off. Not with this group. And, you know, to this point about free market, free market is relative to who can buy. <laughs> and so if the system is already kind of jacked, the free market is only a thing that exists for a small amount of people. And the rest of us just have to figure it out or try to make ends meet or Ralph and Peter to pay Paul just because we want to live in a nice place. No, first of all, I do not believe just so you know, just for a record, free market is a hoax. Uh, billionaires get socialism when they want to protect their interests. And we, all the rest of us suckers and saps. Oh, yeah, you get the free market. We get the socialism. Wait, I want the socialism. Too. Uh, you just take a look at the NFL and the NBA someday and their salary cap. You want to know how hypocritical uh, billionaires are when it comes to a free market. Yeah, there's a, a, I have a friend who talks a lot about the fact that the NFL is a nonprofit organization. And people don't understand that the, 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 the NFL itself is. The teams aren't, but the NFL is. Is that what do you mean by that? 
because it's a nonprofit, it's subject to, I guess, typical tax breaks and all the stuff that comes with being a nonprofit organization when they clearly. Yeah. A lot well, of money. Actually, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. We'll get into uh, it's funny. It's good that we mentioned this. I'm, you're gonna, there's going to be a bears question that you're totally unprepared for. So I'll throw that curveball at you in a little bit. Um, but let's go back uh, to uh, the issue at South Shore. Um, so many times in the city of Chicago, uh, Desmond, I've been watching this for so long. It's like one or the other in Chicago. You know, it's like a transformed, in quotes, neighborhood that's completely gentrified where it's well to do. I live in such a neighborhood. You wouldn't believe what my neighborhood looked like 30, was it 40 years? Oh, God, I've lived here for 40 years. 40 years ago, it does. Okay. Uh, and to what it's like now. It's like either or. It's either uh, working class, mixed, poor, or wealthy. And like what you guys are talking about is so unique for Chicago. I have a hard time envisioning that it could work. Please give me some belief, uh, reason to believe that it can succeed. Uh, that's fair. Um, if you want something different, you gotta do something different. And so we have all often, at least, you know, my time on in living in Chicago, uh, seeing how, you know, developers or the city come in and say, like, here's what's happening. And, you know, folks in South Shore are smart. And we've got a lot of, you know, savvy voters. We have one of the higher, Fifth Ward is one of the higher voting Black wards in the city. And so folks get it. And they've also seen this song before. Uh, you know, so with the Obama Presidential Center Library coming, I just had a town hall yesterday or on Tuesday. And this woman said, something that I've heard a lot on the campaign trail and from residents since I won, which is they're building something for other people and not for us. Yeah. And so there's a lot of um, pushback from residents against that, you know, business as usual mentality. Even if you look at the way that people voted for um, the CBA in this last election, it was 89%, I think, of South Shore residents who supported some protections for renters. And, and the context of that is they know what happens when, you know, typical gentrification comes. And this is an opportunity to bring like small G gentrification, stuff that revitalizes a neighborhood, but still maintains the fabric. Like they don't want this to turn into some, you know, ritzy uh, community that has excluded and erased the history of the folks that are here. But it's, you know, if you think about it, if, you know, Folks on the north side, if you could buy property, you know, four blocks from the lake, if you do this in Rogers Park, you're spending two times, maybe more um, for that same sort of property down here on the south side. And it's 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 a lot of um, it's a lot to digest. But again, you know, voters are savvy. Residents are savvy and they're, they 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 know what the story could be. They also know that if they're silent, that it happens on mm -hmm. their watch. And I think that another reason why they elected me is because I believe in, you know, community development. I believe community-led transit development, community-led um, retail development, housing, because it's this the people's voice that are here that are going to be the ones um, who are going to be most affected by what comes and the effect is either good or bad, depending upon how much they fight. Mm -hmm. Well, there's also uh, you, you're getting at it. This, and I guess, this will lead into the Bears question. Uh, God, this is a favorite theme on the show. The difference between uh, the notion of the South Side lakefront and the North Side lakefront. You were getting into that uh, a little bit when you talked about Rogers Park, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and never fails to amaise me. It's the same lake. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Chicago, Chicago wants something to break breaking news. It's the same lake on the north side as it is on the south side. But there's something about that lake. Once you cross, get south of Meg's Field or whatever, maybe it's a little maybe south of like Street. Yeah. Oh, it's different, Ben. It's it's different. The water's darker. Yeah, the water's darker. <laughs> it's darker waters. Uh and you know, before I get into the Bears question, let's just, just talk about that a little bit. Like the perception, the South Side is like dangerous mm -hmm. and the North Side is developmentally possible. You get what I'm saying? Except for maybe Uptown. They're, 
doing what they can about Uptown now. Um, talk about that, the perceptions in Chicago. It, it is a rough perception. Uh, you know, the South Sider who you know, has traveled all across the country, tell folks who live on the South Side of Chicago. And, you know, when I was in my, you know, 20 years ago, it was Michael Jordan, and now it's crime and violence. And, you know, I live in the heart of South Shore. Um, I, I feel relatively safe. Like, I don't feel like if I go walk to my car, I'm going to get carjacked. There are some that do, and I get that. But this other story that gets told is just over the last, uh, since Father's Day, we've had two of the biggest events on the South Side happen in the ward. We had the Hyde Park Summerfest, uh, which brought in folks like Robert Glasper and Lil' Kim uh, to uh, Jackson Park, I'm sorry, to the Midway. We had about 20,000 people there over the weekend um, without any incidents. And then just this past weekend, we had the Chosen Few, this you know annual gathering for people who love house music, probably another 40,000 people there in Jackson Park. Yeah. This is right here on the South side. You don't see this. You don't even see things this big happen on the North side because one, they don't have the space, but two, it's like the South side pride is really, really big. And people, a lot of people may leave, you know, graduated from Kenwood 30 some years ago Have friends who left who always come back because the city is home and they come back to the South side for the reason that it is special. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying this on this podcast, but my favorite beach in the city is at the South Shore Cultural Center because nobody goes there. <laughs> it's it's a great little space. You can see the fireworks on Wednesday at Navy Pier from yeah. 71st and South Shore. And there's always typically parking and there's not a lot of stuff you got to go through to be able to get your stuff from your car to the beach. It's a great place, but it's a hidden gem because you're not going to find that north of Roosevelt. So wait a minute. Actually, that's not true. I will. I do not. Uh, I, okay. When you said I'll get in trouble for saying that, I know you were kind of joking, but what did you mean by that? You're going to get in trouble because you're exposing a, a secret that nobody wants. Because I'm exposing a gym. Yeah. It's okay. one of the highlights of, of South Shore. Then I will not expose similar gems on the North side. I'll just keep them to myself because I don't want to share them with anybody. But you understand why, right? Yeah, you know, we got a good thing. And uh, we got a, as the old song, we got a groovy thing going. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you expose it, it's going to be ruined. I understand that psychology. Yeah. Let me uh, tell you a South Shore story that um, is really, really interesting. So um, it's not really South Shore, it's Greater Grand Crossing, but it's close enough. It's just community just a little bit west and west of South Shore. Um, Gary Comer, uh, who some of y'all may know from Comer Children's Hospital. Well, uh, he's got his start at Jackson Park Yacht Club. Uh, he got involved in a sailing program there as a teen. And eventually, at some point, opened a retail store where he sold sailing equipment and clothing. Found out at some point that people were buying more clothing than the other stuff. And so he founded L.L. Bean, right? Founds L.L. Bean, makes a gazillion dollars, sells it for $1.9 And then he takes that money and he comes back to the south side of Chicago, uh, builds about 100 homes in Greater Grand Crossing, creates the Gary Comer Youth Center so that the South Shore Drill Team would have somewhere to practice. Um, we have a charter high school in the ward and then the Comer Children's Hospital. I was born in Chicago Lying In, which is what Comer Children's, I think, is what it is now in Hyde Park. And so there's this like, here's a guy who left Chicago, the south side of Chicago, did well and then still came back to invest on the south side and i think we need more of those stories um and there probably are more not to the scale of 1.9 billion dollars but there's more of those stories to be told and i think that's the way we revitalize south shore all right uh i'm going to come back to that uh when we get to the kenwood part of this conversation because that sounds very kenwood-esque uh, that'll be, that's just a made a mental note to get back to it, but I don't want to lose the bears question. All right. So shout out to Marie Cobb, who is the one who raised this issue on this podcast. Uh, and she, you know, opened my eyes. So shout out to Marie, dear friend of the show. Uh, and that is while the bears are very skillfully playing one municipality against the other uh, to try to get the biggest handout they can for their stadium, which, uh, going back to the whole issue of socialism for the rich and free markets for the rest of us uh, um, have played footsie with mayor Brandon Johnson about coming possibly to Chicago. Uh, and uh, Del Marie pointed out, she said, Hey, if you're going to come to Chicago, if you're going to get a handout, if you're going to look for a public subsidy uh, for your stadium. You should do it in a neighborhood that truly needs it and could use it. 
South Works, south side of Chicago, the old steel mill at 83rd uh, and the lake. Uh, and she, she convinced me. The, pretty much the only way I would support, not that it matters, Brandon Johnson's going to do what he wants, regardless of what I say. Uh, any kind of handout to the Chicago Bears uh, is if they uh, put it in a neighborhood that needs investment and that really, in the case of Southworks, needs to be uh, cleaned up. There's like all the toxic stuff in the ground from a steel mill that closed. Desmond, before you were born, man, that. Steel mills with <laughs> city of Chicago will never do the right thing. Oh, never ever do the right thing unless some rich guy is going to get even richer. So, okay, that we could get two things, city of Chicago. You can make a rich guy richer, the Bears, and you could do the right thing. Your thoughts about the Bears coming to 83rd and the light? So, a uh, quick note Del Marie is the first person who suggested I run for Alderman. So, she's, she's, <laughs> The, one of the smartest people I know. And, and to that point, I never considered uh, a situation where the Bears stayed and left Soldier Field. That This is really intriguing. I was just talking with some folks about how I think the Southwark site was the site of a Dave Matthews concert about 15 years ago. And Bloomingdale's was supposed to come and there was all this development. And I'm from the east side. I grew up at 87th and Jeffrey. And I said, that shit's never going to happen. And so here we are now. Um, I think that would be such a boon for the South Side, uh, having the Obama Presidential Library um, on one end and a third airport on the other, and to have the Bears in the middle. I think would be something really, really special for this city. Well, now you're really going into Del Marie country with a third airport. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other uh, one of her great crusades been pushing for a third airport which would not be in the city of chicago it would be further south but sure. I guess, uh the south suburbs could use a little assistance as well uh but then the, the mental blocks desmond the mental that's what i was getting at this one i it like it really hit home mm -hmm. I, I, I was like no we can't put it there i mean that's the response to the articles in the side time. No, you can't put it there. And then there's always like a million reasons like they come up with, like, like you can't put it there. Like me with the Obama center. I wanted the Obama center to go on the West side mm -hmm. and everyone on the South side. Are you crazy? You can't put the Obama center on the West side, which should have gone on the West side. Well, it, wasn't, it doesn't tell the Obama story. And of course the university of Chicago is not on the West side. So it, I see why they picked the South side. Well, circles uh, on the West side, UIC's on the way. You want to go to, you, you had to have a college. Last I look, okay. University of Chicago grads, maybe UIC is not as good as in your opinion as uh, University of Chicago, but what, whatever. And one more time. Let's, Michelle did work at UIC. What's we'll that again? <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Okay, it's not about West Side being not as good as South Side. It's where Michelle wanted it. Okay, um, but 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 point is the obstacles. Do you follow one of the mental obstacles to doing something like putting the Bear Stadium uh, in an area that's not North or not Central, and you're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. um, as the alderman of the fifth ward, talk about it. Well, I mean, I think a lot of the reasoning for the bears to move to Naperville or Aurora or whatever Western suburb is so that guys who live in Naperville and Aurora don't have to drive to the city to go see bears games and putting something like this on the South side, um, might make for a little bit more of an inconvenience, but for people who live in the city and for Southsiders, it, I think it'll break the stigma of the South Side being this rough and dangerous place. Uh, it speaks to a, a future for the South Side, which we haven't really had a future for a long time. Well, we haven't we haven't had a future that was determined um, uh, that was determined for us that was one of like economic prosperity. But if you put a stadium, you know, on the east side of Chicago, then you have to put hotels and you have to put restaurants and you have to make sure that the people who live in the, the nearby neighborhoods are also benefiting from this increased investment. You have to put in traffic infrastructure so that, you know, things are, you know, flowing much more easily. And, you know, looking at the, the bigger picture, like I mentioned, between, the you know, coming on a weekend to go see the Bears play, you know, your favorite team from Dallas and you spent some time at the Obama Presidential Library because it's not too far and my hotel is up the street. Like it's just it's just a great way to 
really built um, some something really significant on the south side. That is not like just the University of Chicago and its development, right? So I I, I think it's a great idea. I don't know. Um, I can understand why there'd be all this traction against it, but like, holy cow! Like, can we get something on the south side, please? Yeah. I actually uh, push back. I can't understand why there's traction against it at all. Uh, so uh, unless it's irrational traction, there's a significant investment in black and Latino community. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And that's not what I would, I would consider that irrational, but that's a conversation for another time. But what I was going to say is that the logic when it comes to planning in the city of Chicago up until now has been uh, you can't, build in black or uh, Hispanic, mainly black areas. It's, that's the issue in the city of Chicago uh, until you move the people out. Right. And then you can build there. So the planning department in the city of Chicago is all about moving the people out and then planning. So once they've moved all of the black people out of the South side, oh, hey, let's put the Bear Stadium down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's Ben talking, not Desmond Yancey. I don't want to get Desmond in trouble. The um, views on this program. Say that again. <laughs> the views don't, do not necessarily reflect those of the guests. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk a little Kenwood High. And uh, this is a fascinating. You talked about uh, Gary Comer coming back to the South Side and doing so much investment there. I think it was you who told me this, uh, or maybe it was your aide who told me this. Uh, shout out, Charles. Uh, the Kenwood High is like the incubator for a lot of political leaders in the city of Chicago. I hadn't thought about it until he told me that. And then I started going through, in my mind, the the great, the legend, it all begins with Karen Lewis, who graduated from Kenwood in the early 70s. But it's gone on, Desmond. Something's going on at Kenwood High School. I'm not quite sure what. So help me out here. First of all, go through all the list of people Kenwood grads who are now uh, elected officials. Elected officials. So uh, Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage, Senator Selena Villanueva, um, myself, uh, Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton. I'm sure there are more. I think, you know, folks who have run for office, my, Charles Kyle, who's my chief of staff, uh, Cleopatra Watson, who ran in the Ninth Ward. Um, Dan Seals, who ran for Congress in the 90s, I think. Oh, man. Uh, I'm sure the list is longer because there are like I, I'm not in a room in Chicago politics where I don't run into someone who is Kenwood alumni. So what is it? The water? What's going on at Kenwood High School? You know, we were talking about like the progressive uh, Fifth Ward seat. And you know, when you look at South Shore and Hyde Park, I think that's probably more of what it is like my experience at Hyde Park I mean at Kenwood I went to school with like I said Fritz Kage uh whose you know mother was connected to Jackie Grimshaw uh, on another side there was uh Colliday and Abner Farrakhan you know children of the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan um Ramsey Lewis's kids were students there I grew up in the eighth ward so you know there's that connection as well and because it sort of it brought a bunch of folks together, and I would probably have to chalk this up in real life to the teachers, because I had some teachers who I still talk about today, who really impressed um, the need to to be a free thinker and in a real way, right? Like study the stuff. Don't trust what I'm telling you. Um, go read. Go be prepared. And you know there were often some really robust conversations about politics. You know. I think I told you I went to school with Larry Bloom's kids and also Tim Evans' kids. So if you can imagine, you know, what Kenwood was like in that moment, you know, between 1987, 88, 89, and there was some stuff to pay attention to. Oh, also, God, Harold Washington was elected in 83. I'm a freshman in 85. You know, I went to school with kids who, you know, um, were from the 10th Ward. And so there was a dynamic that happened there. And I think because we were young and um, socialized a lot, it allowed for you know all these different perspectives to come come through. Yeah, uh, and what uh, Desmond is alluding to is that the tenth ward, far southeast side, is where uh, Eddie Berdoliak uh, was the alderman, and he was the leader of the We Hate Harold Washington Coalition and the City Council. 
we can't allow we can't allow this to happen again and this and lo and behold they were successful they may have lost council wars but i guess you could say they won that total war because it was a long time before the city of chicago ever elected a mayor anything remotely like mayor washington yeah right again the, the views and opinions of the ben jarowski show are those of ben jarowski not necessarily his guests although i think in this case Ted would agree with me I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure you agree with me about the planning process of the city of Chicago uh, intentionally moving black people out, but that could be the older conspiracy theory person. It walks like a duck. Yes. Anyway, I, I do find it uh, fascinating. And this gets into another public perception. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this, that there's something dramatically wrong with the Chicago public schools. I have heard this since I moved to Chicago in 1981. There's something dramatically wrong with the Chicago public schools. And in 1987, I think it was, William Bennett, who was the Ronald Reagan's education secretary, uh, said Chicago public schools are the worst in the public school system in the country. Ladies and gentlemen, he said that Desmond Yancey was a sophomore or junior at Kenwood High School. He what said, was this? well, you can look it up, but I want to say it was 87. It was right around the time the teachers, there was a strike. Oh, they, that strike. We were out of school yeah. for 21 days. Yeah. Uh, we struggled to, so to that point, while, you know, Secretary Bennett was saying that Chicago Public Schools was this awful place, a group of high school juniors from Kenwood Academy who were concerned about the upcoming PSATs organized ourselves, met at the University of Chicago to figure out how we can do prep in advance of this test. And we had students who were, we were trying to figure this out because we cared about our education. And it was some stuff that was instilled in us at Kenwood. But even before that, I was a student at Pope Classical. Like I, my experiences at Chicago public schools are were at that time um there's some really really amazing um eye-opening opportunities that you know if you look at my trajectory like it really put me here and i think that there are still more of those things happening in public schools but again as i talked about um you know people's perception of safety it's the same thing with people's perception of public schools the ones who are complaining probably the loudest about the condition of our schools don't have children in schools but also don't support investing in our schools to make sure that we get the outcomes that we need. So it's important you know, to have elected officials who understand all this stuff, who are willing to have that conversation with people. And then you've got you know, a mayor who comes out of schools. I taught kindergarten at Aerial Community Academy for a couple of years. And I, so I, I got a little bit of a taste of what it is to work in an under-resourced school that was really trying to do the best that it could. And we had some great outcomes, but part of being a new school at us leaning very heavily on our community to support it. And that's where a lot of this gets missed. If we're only trusting, you know, the people who get paid from CPS to educate our kids, or we're only trusting or relying on, is a better word, relying on the folks at CPD to keep us safe, in a time like this, we're not going to get the outcomes that we need. Okay. Well, uh, since you talked about uh, keeping folks safe, uh, let's close uh, with a discussion of the crime issue in the city of Chicago, because that uh, is, I'm sure, paramount in people's minds uh, in your ward. It's paramount in a lot of people's minds in the city of Chicago. Uh, and I read something going back to the Sun-Times article, and I'd love to get your thoughts about this. Uh, so the, the, they were interviewing, I think it was Joe Ferguson, and um, Joe Ferguson, the former inspector general of the city of Chicago. And uh, here's what he said. One of the most concerning things on the public safety front is that there's not even acknowledgement out of City Hall of the magnitude of the problem today. Root causes are absolutely critical as part of a larger vision for public safety. But in the meantime, lives are being lived. Lives are being lost. They are mostly black and brown lives that are being lost. This is not being acknowledged. Do you agree with that sentiment? Uh, no. I think it, it would be stating the obvious. Right. Like what is stated in that quote, it's like it's clear that there are crime issues here in Chicago. And I think what Mayor Johnson is doing is providing um, a different narrative. So as we talk about what the solutions are and, and what the root causes are, it's not just about, um, you know, when we talk about 
frankly, young black kids in crime. It is not just demonizing these kids. There's another part of the story. And, and, and a real anecdote, uh, I've been working with, not really working with, connecting, connected to some stuff that's happening here in South Shore, where um, there's a program that had uh, supported, I think, 15 young men for six weeks. And during that six weeks, they, these, these guys had an understanding that this wasn't, you, you weren't going to do street stuff during this. During the six weeks, there was no street stuff. And then it's extended past that, you know, because some of them have been, you know, providing opportunities for housing. Like this one guy was homeless and now he's got a home somewhere to stay. Another guy was fighting for custody of his daughter. Now he's got custody of his daughter. Uh, other guys are lined up for apprenticeships that are starting in the fall. And so, you know, there, this is not just, you know, hyperbole that if you give young people jobs that they'll do better. Like, no, there are spaces where it works. And it's about being able to amplify that and that gets more outcomes. But if people don't know these things are happening, don't know how to support it, don't understand that, again, that there's another story to be told, then um, we don't we aren't able to scale it up. And so like, why address the obvious? He knows people don't feel safe. That's why he was able to run for mayor and Mayor Lightfoot lost her race. But let's talk about solutions and less about problems. Uh very good. Any uh, uh, last minute thoughts on what it's like being an alderman? You know, is it is it what you expected? Uh, is it more challenging? Uh, is is it are there moments now? What are, what are you in? Are you 30 days in? No, we're about 60. Yeah. Damn, some time flies mm-hmm. uh, into the future, as the song says. Uh, are you at the point now where? Why did I do this? I should have never run. Uh, or where are you at right now? No, it's not budget season yet. <laughs> so far, it's all been good. You know, people have been uh, really, you know, like supportive and helpful. I mean, you had the same leader for 24 years. And so to have some new energy has been good. Um, you know, it's the honeymoon phase. And I've been using all that to talk to as many people as I can, either through, you know, one-on-one, small community chats, town halls, swing by the office. You might catch me there just so that, you know, we've been walking up and down the street talking to business owners, just so that people know that things are different. And I think that that has gotten me a little bit of uh, currency as we're going through this. But uh, I don't know how many aldermen I've talked to either current or retired or former who have said, um, who've used the analogy of drinking from a fire hose. Like I've heard that repeatedly because it's just like, it's a wealth of information. Like some context is 33 city departments, six sister agencies, 50 aldermen uh, moving into budget season. So all those conversations are happening at the same time. Then when you think about the transition period, it really isn't one because there's very little that you can do uh, as an alderman elect until the inauguration. And so that, transition has to be very, very smooth, or you're going to have some issues. Most of my colleagues have had some one issue or another uh, and, and figuring all that stuff out. And then for me, it was an acknowledgement really just as recently as yesterday that um, there are 50,000 people in this board who need me for something. And all of them expect me to be able to deliver. Now, many of them won't even tell me that they need me or what they need me for. Um, then you've also got, you know, the various interests. Like I'm, I am the alderman for all the black people in Chicago and somehow all the progressives and all these things that have these competing interests. And when it's all said and done four years from now, the question is going to be, did I do enough? And so I'm not going to be able to be all things to all people. I'm making sure that that message is getting out. But what I will do is say, this is going to be very different than what people understand to be the role of the alderman, because I want this to be as inclusive as we can make it, knowing it's going to be a little bit messy and a little bit problematic in some spaces, but at least it's honest and it's transparent. Yeah, no, that's a good line. 50,000 people in the ward who need me for something. Uh, and uh, oh, my goodness, that's one thing. Bernard Terrace, may rest in peace. He's already got two shout outs on this show. Uh, yeah, he he. Uh, Desmond, they called him about absolutely everything in the ward you know what i mean uh like i remember when the the carriages in the downtown area with the, the tourists would sit in those carriages and the horses would be doing their droppings and people would be calling Bernard, when are you gonna clean that up <laughs> and, and that's why i'm against the contingent of people in the city of chicago many of them listen to my show who want to cut the alderman i'm like 
from 50 to 25. I'm like, this is the closest we have to democracy. Mm-hmm. You all know who your alderman is. I guarantee you, you know your alderman. You don't know your state senator. You don't know your state rep. You definitely don't know your Cook County commissioner. Only a political geek knows all these things. Mm-hmm. And But you know your alderman. So what, you want to do less democracy in the city? You think that's the problem? Less democracy? <laughs> Cut it back. It's such a popular thing because, you know what I mean, some alderman goes to jail or whatever, gets convicted, and let's cut it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, New York only has. Well, yeah, New York. Man, I don't see you living in New York. You want to go to New York? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Desmond, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. Oh, by the way, wait a minute. Time out. One last thing. In the old days, I already alluded to this, uh, Mayor Richard M. Daley, one of his budget hearings, I'm not making this up, was in your ward, or what is now your ward, South Shore Cultural Center. It's always one of my favorite moments. <laughs> that The Mayor Daley South Shore uh, budget hearing was always a blast to go to. Do you know if Brandon Johnson's going to revive the uh, budget hearing process? And if so, will he go to South Shore or have you not heard? From what I understand, the process will be revived. I'm not sure South Shore is the location. I think the closest location to the South Side is going to be Kennedy King College. But um, let me let me follow up with you on that. Okay. All right. Cool. I took good old days. And then it's like right on the lake. It's a beautiful view to get bad news from the the mayor. (laughs) Oh, no. Mayor Mayor Daly was in the good news. He would package it as good news. It's all good in the city of Chicago. And the people be like, thank you, mayor. Thank you. Chicagoans love their mayor. Desmond Yancey, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Ben. See you soon. All right. That's Desmond Yancey. I also want to thank producer Chris. He's done an outstanding job. And I think Desmond will agree with me when I say, hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, all for free at chicagoreader.com. Get over there. Get it. Follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram at Benny J Show and like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.